0: This is John Gescheidmeyer of Wisconsin Real Estate Today, your real estate expert. This podcast is designed to equipping people with the teaching and tools they need to succeed in real estate. I hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more real estate content. Selling your home is today's topic and we're gonna dive right into all of the things that are necessary to think about long before you actually post your house for sale. Now, a lot of people might try that themselves and be successful. So this podcast really is designed to give you the teaching and tools of everything that you need to succeed in real estate. So today's episode specifically, let's dive in and talk about selling. So most people, and I think the number is about 93% or so, but most people will hire a real estate agent. And the first thing that I think that you should do in most cases is consult a professional. Even if you're thinking about selling it yourself, I would definitely contact a realtor, someone that you know, someone that you trust, someone that knows the area, um, much earlier than most people do. Most people get their home ready, they do all the things around the house that they think that need to be done. We're gonna cover a lot of those today. But most people then call the realtor about a week in advance, two weeks in advance. When I think you should be calling the realtor Months and months and months, if not a year or two in advance. Ironically enough, I sold a home in the Brookfield area here in Wisconsin, in the metro Milwaukee area, not too long ago, maybe a few years ago. And I'm, my clients, um, Don and Michelle, decided to call me a couple months ago to talk about what they should do now to improve their value of their house and to, and to not over-improve so that they're losing money when they go to sell three to five years from now. Now, that might be a little bit different than what most people do, but I always recommend that people call a trusted real estate professional right away. Remember, it's never too early to bring the realtor in because the realtor can do a lot of different things to help you, more so than anything else, save you money, but also save you time. Let's face it, in our society, with how many hours we work and our job schedules and the demands upon us, we always find ourselves behind, right? We, we never have a lot of free time. And those weekend hours are so earned for us, those Saturdays and Sundays and sometimes half days on Fridays, you know, whatever we do. But time is really something that we're also trying to save you. So I think a real benefit in bringing in a realtor, a real estate professional in early is to be able to tell you what to do, where to spend your effort, where to spend your time and money, and then the things not to do. I, I'm When I go into people's homes and we talk about them getting ready to sell, I'm amazed at how many people are, I guess, really relieved because I'll give them things to do, but more importantly, I'll give them things not to do because I usually will tell them, you know, don't do this because it's going to, you're not going to get a lot of value out of that or out of a lot of money Um, in the end. You know, and it's amazing how many thank yous we get. Oh, thank you, John. You just saved me a ton of money and a ton of time more than anything So my first suggestion is call that realtor immediately whenever you're starting to consider selling. So let's talk a little bit about how to find a right realtor, because that's going to be another topic in and of itself on a different episode. But we're talking about selling, so we should probably talk about finding a good professional, right? Well, there's a ton of different companies out there. You have the big companies. Um, My company, Remax, is one of those. We're a very, very large network. But um, you also have realtors who are neighborhood or kind of mom and pop st- stores, so to speak. And I'm not here to tell you what, which company would be best for you because that's an individual decision and it's an individual choice that you and potentially your significant other might have to make if, if you have um, another person involved in the sale. And by the way, if you are the husband or you're the wife, you got to make sure both people are there. So when the realtor does show up, All the decision-makers should be present. But there are a lot of different things that you should ask an agent long before you even make the decision. The worst thing you can possibly do is to pick an agent whose signs you see around town. Now, maybe that's a good thing and you've got to do your homework. Ultimately, I'm not saying that decision is bad, but just going off of a sign um, would be the worst decision you could possibly make. You need to find a good fit for you Someone who understands your goals, someone who understands your needs. I call it doing a needs analysis where I sit down with my clients and, yeah, we take a look at the home. We go through three, uh, the, the, the things that need to be done and not done. But at the same time, I have to find out who these people are. I like to get to know my clients on a personal level. I like to find out what specifically their goals are, how we can help them. And I think that's a—that's the underlying common denominator And that's where we determine whether or not we can really make a win-win relationship. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, too. The personality type, the experience. If it were me and I was bringing a realtor in, the first question I would ask is, tell me about the recent sales in this particular area. Tell me about those properties have sold, but also the ones that haven't sold. How familiar are you with our city, our county, our town? Now, I'm going to pause there for just a minute by telling you that just because the realtor isn't from that area does not mean that he cannot do or she cannot do a good job for you. That's a very, that's that's kind of a big misnomer. Well, you're not from here, so you must not understand the area. When I do a market analysis for somebody that's looking to sell, I dive very deep into the sales that have happened not only in the area, but in the comparable areas in other words if you're going to sell a home in franklin that's in the eight nine hundred thousand dollar range just south of milwaukee or anywhere like that you may not have a lot of comparables uh, in that immediate area so you have to branch out and it's important to understand that you are doing two things when you're pricing a home and we're going to talk about pricing a home in a different episode so i'm going to leave that one um for later but when when you price a home, you're also pricing a home to make sure it appraises. If I price a home that's 250,000 and I receive several offers, and we sell it for 275, but there are no comparables, we're going to have a hard time getting 250 or more from an appraiser. So all those things we have to take into account, and that's what we do for a living. One question I would ask people, uh, realtors who come into my house. Is how many sales that they've had not to say that i need to get somebody that sold hundreds and hundreds and hundreds but i need somebody who does this for a living and i need somebody who takes this very serious there are agents out there that work part time and do an awesome job but for the most part you are trusting someone with your largest asset in most cases or one of your largest assets to do their job to be there and available for you when clients call and when needed and also to have a very solid marketing plan so you have to know what that what that agent's going to be doing on a marketing perspective as well i know in our firm i really don't know many firms that market the way we do and all of the comprehensive things that we do i'll save that for another time as well but but that agent has to know quarterly sales has to know projections has to understand that, you know, last quarter, last year at this time, only 30% of the homes sold or only 10% of the homes sold throughout the year. In other words, you're doing a market analysis based on data. I think my master's program didn't maybe prepare me for as many things in life as I would have hoped, but it definitely did when it came to preparing me to read and understand data and statistics, It's also important to remember that we live in what I like to call a 24-7, 365 world. So in my world, in real estate, every day someone is born. Every day, unfortunately, someone passes away. Every day somebody wakes up and says, this house is too big. And every day somebody wakes up and says, this house is too small. The kids come into our home through births when people are born, and then people leave when they go off to college. Sometimes we find ourselves in a larger home when we're empty nesters. Some people get promoted. Some people, unfortunately, lose their job. Some people locate to our area. Some people relocate away from our area. I think you see my point. My point is that in our world, despite the, fe- despite the fact that we have winters, which can be really brutal in some cases, but we live in a 24-7 world. So the data also helps us understand what's the best time to sell. So if a realtor walks in and doesn't ask a lot of questions and hasn't prepared their data, it's also important for you to start asking them questions. How many homes sold in the third quarter of last year? Because maybe you missed the spring selling season. Now it's June. And now you're thinking, well, how many, if, if it's going to take me a little bit of time to prepare and I'm going I'm to get on the market in September, or October, or late August, we live in a seasonal world, and we have to understand. So we look at year-over-year statistics. I'm really big in looking at those things so that I can give my clients the best possible outcome. Now, let's be honest. Not a lot of people have the, the, the luxury of waiting, right? Uh, a home that sold for 325 in spring because there was a larger demand may only sell for 310 in the fall or the winter. And typically, I think that's kind of how it work, works. But you have to remember, there is, you know, we, in my world, we never say never, we never say always. Things are totally different. You could have 10 houses in a row that were constructed and uh, the same and built by the same builder built at the same time, built with the same floor plan, but they're like people. Houses are like people. And every home deserves to be marketed individually because it is individual. No two homes are the same uh, for sure. So know the time of the year, know the quarterly sales and projections, and remember that there are buyers out at any given time. Fall and winter are still really good times to sell. Let's get into a couple other things. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about staging, too. Uh, Staging is something that a realtor can help you with, but we also partner with stagers who can come in from a totally independent viewpoint and look at things. Now, remember... When you are selling your home, there's, there is a mental and emotional attachment to it. And we understand that. And we're not coming in to offend you by telling you that the um, really you know, bright lime green walls in your daughter's bedroom um, are, are ugly. <laughs> but to most buyers, they are. And so it's our job to make sure that no matter what, we are preparing you for the best possible outcome. And yes, it's about the money. And it is about the money when you sell, and it's about us getting as much money as we can for you, but also with the best terms. You may actually accept less money for better terms. So those are things that we work through. But so, you know, whether you hire a larger company, smaller company, pick a great agent, an agent that also while you're preparing is giving you market updates along the way. You should be on some type of notification program that anytime something sells in your area that would be considered a comparable, or even outside your areas, if you've got to do that, that you, uh, that you get that data. I, I believe in a team effort in almost everything we do, and we preach that in our firm and with our agents. You know, and I tell my agents all the time, you got to bring these people on board. They're part of your team, and you're doing this all together. So when it's all said and done, what are some of the things inside your house that you should do? And this is maybe where you want to take some notes. Of course, it's hard to do, but I always tell my my potential clients that you have to take your seller's hat off and put your buyer's hat on. So you have to objectively look at your house, which is tough to do if you are living in it and you improved it and you spent all that money and this is where you brought your children up. Um, you know, we get all that stuff, but but it's our job to come in there and get you to understand what buyers are looking for now, and especially in your particular area. Keep in mind that a lot of buyers, of course, will do what? They will watch HGTV. They will look at Pinterest. They will look at Instagram and their feeds and all that other stuff with those really nice kitchens. Uh, What's in, what's not, what's trendy. So, you know, you may have oak cabinets because your home was built in the 90s, and you may say, well, that's coming back. John, that's coming back. You know, the, the buyers will appreciate it. Well, they not? They might not. And it's important for you to understand that we're going to give you that objectivity that you need. So the first thing you need to do is walk out to your street. Just like I do with buyers, I will have my buyer stand in front of the home for a couple minutes, and we do a quick 360. I, I can't, nor will the people who buy your home, change what your neighbors do. So you need to be aware of what your neighborhood looks like from the view in front of your house, right? Do that 360 in front of your house. What do you see? Although you can't control what your neighbors do, you need to be aware of what they do, especially if you're in an urban area where you're really tight with homes. And, um, you know, maybe it's time to have that conversation with your neighbor about getting rid of that pile of stuff on your side of the house that previously you didn't care about, but now you might, because when... The buyer is standing in your living room or your family room, and they look out the window at your neighbor's. What's the first thing they see? The second thing is to to do what we need to do at our own houses when we're ready to sell. So your landscaping, what does that look like? Sometimes fresh mulch, obviously weeding on a regular basis. Those are things that will definitely help. The curb appeal is crucial to a good first impression, right? So make sure that your home looks great. If you have weeds in your lawn, now is the time to put down that fall fertilizer for the winter, or if it's in spring, to, to get a company out to help you remove those weeds and make everything look good. Obviously, it remains to be uh, seen what a buyer might think, and hopefully you get some feedback when you do list from those buyers. But nonetheless, keep the outside clean and uncluttered. Whatever repairs you need to make Whatever touch-up painting you need to do on the exterior, those are things that you need to do. As you enter and leave seasons, remember that as you leave spring, it's time to clean up the lawn. Um, you got to prepare and put nice colors outside, so potted flowers of different colors. Those always look great when it comes to you know the summertime. But if if you leave summer and now you're leaving even fall, you got to make sure that your that your home looks good seasonally. Another quick suggestion is that as people look at your house, now hopefully you sell right away, but if you list in the spring and your home is kind of, uh, your home's exterior is kind of grungy looking, because let's face it, in Wisconsin and other parts of the Midwest, when we come out of the, uh, you know, the doldrums, if you will, of winter, our homes and the exteriors especially don't really look all that great until, uh, you know, we're well into the spring. So have your realtor come back and take new photos if you're on the market for a while. And if your photos were taken at Halloween and now you're on the market in winter and there's a fresh blanket of snow everywhere, do yourself a paver and take some new photos outside. Those are crucial. Um, so that's maybe one idea too, if you have a stale listing and it's just not selling. The front door is the first thing that people are gonna see. So make sure that looks good as well. When they enter the house, you have to remember this guys, It's all about good sights, good sounds, and good smells. If your agent is not sitting you down and coaching you on how to best prepare your home, then maybe it's time to not sign that listing contract and find somebody that can help you. So here's the deal. I tell my clients all the time, we are creating experiences. Just like Disney and hotels, especially some of your higher end hotels do, They create an environment when you walk in that you smell a certain smell. When you walk in, you're going to hear some type of music. And they're setting really the mood. And it's no different when we sell your home. You are creating the sights and the sounds to to trigger an emotional attachment. Remember, when you sell, take your seller's hat off, put your buyer's hat on, right? When you sell, you're attached to that home. Because when you walked in, and if you remember that feeling when you walked into that house, you fell in love with it, probably. At least, you know, most people do. And to a buyer, though, your home is only another object. It's just one of many that are out there until the emotional attachment occurs. And I can see it when I bring buyers into a home. Whether it's my listing or somebody else's, I I just know. I just know when they've fallen in love with that house because you can see it. And then we got to ask the questions. So, what do you guys think? So, I always tell my clients create an experience when they walk in the door of good smells, um, sandalwood, vanilla; those are good ones. Anything outside that's a little more like lavender to me is overpowering, but a lot of people like it. Um, cinnamon. Now, chocolate chip—you can bake chocolate chip cookies all day. <laughs> we we love seeing those; that's for sure. So, you know, that's a good smell no matter no matter where you are. But having a little mood music on, um, and, and any cable provider, for the most part, or satellite, you know they have a package of programs, some light, smooth jazz. I, I wouldn't go anything necessarily classical, um, but I did walk into a couple homes where they had the speaker system throughout, and they were rocking AC-DC, and I thought personally that was kind of cool. But uh, that's probably not the experience that you want to create. But the whole idea, guys, is that we're creating an experience for people who... You know, we don't know. People are walking in the door. So just like when we we took our daughter to Disney, I paid attention to the experience around me. Um, You know, you're you're amazed by everything around you, but, but boy, they do a great job in creating that experience for us. So when you walk in that door, work on those things as well. Of course, everything should be bright and cheery for the most part. We do want to declutter the home and depersonalize it. And I know that sometimes that's a little bit difficult to understand, but declutterization, the process of declutterization is probably your most important thing, especially in rooms that are smaller. You know, we have some ranches might be 1,200 square feet or so, it's 1,300 in some urban areas. You know, those rooms are only usually 10 by 10 or 10 by 11, 11 by 10, whatever they are. And uh, if you have a king size bed in there, you might want to take it out. So getting a storage locker or a PODS unit or something similar, there's a lot of local ones that do that as well, those are really important. Another thing to remember is that people will look in your fridge, they will look in your freezer, they will look in your cabinets and your cupboards and your closets. So when you go into a new home, a model home for sale, you're not going to see much in the closets, right? If you are serious about selling your home and getting top value, you need to make sure that every one of your closets is organized and decluttered, including the spice cabinet. You might have 47 different types of spices in there, and that's great. Maybe pare that down to about 15. Uh, you might have 15 suits in your men's side of the closet. Maybe pare that down to about five if you can. Um, putting stuff in storage is is a pain. I realize it, but... When it's all said and done, we're just trying to get you the most amount of money that we can, right? Everything has to shine. Everything has to look good. Cleanliness is the most important. When I sold a home many years ago, I actually met the buyer a few years later uh, when I went back to my, my old neighbors to have a party, or they were having a party, rather. And he, and he came to me and he said, hey, John, um, we bought your house. And right then and there, I kind of had that panic moment, right? I'm like, oh, boy, is he going to talk about something that went wrong after I after I sold it to him? But, he, he, you know, he gave me a great compliment, and he said, you know, we loved your home, and we dragged our realtor to about 45 showings. But we bought yours because the stuff that we could see was all taken care of. So we knew that the stuff behind the scenes that we couldn't see was also already taken care of. And I took that as a huge compliment, and I tell that to my clients as well. If you have bold colors, it's time to fix that. It's time to make sure that we are dumbing those down a little bit. So unfortunately, those really bright rooms or black rooms, those are not going to show well, guys. Um, So make sure we take care of those as well. Again, calling a realtor, an objective, experienced realtor, someone who understands the trends of buyers in that area, um, that's important. So let's talk about a couple more things before we wrap this up. There is this service out there called Zillow and everybody loves Zillow and I'm going to tell you that I don't. And I don't mainly because a Zillow Z estimate, Z estimate, whatever you want to call it. And if you haven't gone to Zillow.com, I would encourage you to do it. You can go look up your, your value according to them, but it's never going to be accurate. It might be close, but it's never going to be accurate. And here's why. Zillow has no way, despite very complex algorithms, they have no way of knowing what you've done to your house. They have no way of knowing the condition, whether it's fair, whether it's great, whether it's outstanding, whether it's poor. They have no way of doing that. They also have no way of knowing what your neighbors have done. So that estimate is not something that you can rely on. Much like you can't rely on the fact that your assessed value for a municipality really means anything. I would say probably in 2011 or so, 2008 to 2011, when the market was not good, and you were selling anywhere above the assessed value, every realtor in town would call the listing agent and say, John, where are you coming up with these numbers? There is no way you guys are going to get that number. The assessed value is below that. Well, now, since the economy has been great, assessed values have not caught up, which is a good thing for us because we're paying less taxes, but the bottom line is those numbers never really mean much in the fair market. What I always like to tell people is that a, the right buyer at the right time will pay the right price for your house. So those are the three variables that when it's all said and done, we as realtors and you as sellers have to understand and work around. I got to find that right buyer at the right time who will give me the right price. And I always tell sellers, you can't control what that's going to be, nor can I. But when it's all said and done, we're going to do our best to make sure that we get you the best price, the best terms from the most qualified buyer who's ready to buy your home today. I hope that this podcast was beneficial to you in preparing your house for sale And if you walk away with anything, call a realtor that you know and you trust, but ask them some good questions, because in the end, it's your money and it matters. I'm John Gescheidmeyer, and thank you for joining us in this episode. This session of Wisconsin Real Estate Today has come to a close. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and let others know if you found this content useful. Until next time, make today your best day.